Ladies and gentlemen, this is This is The Real Mission Impossible Show With your host, Lucien Jay Are you ready? We search the globe for the most amazing people who have overcome incredible obstacles Demonstrated amazing resilience, done the impossible I said, are you ready? Join, Join the Real Coach and Jay on the Real Mission Impossible show. Meeting legends from Dubai, South Africa, Nairobi, New York, London, wherever they are to make it possible for the Real Impossible with Coach MJ. The Real Mission Impossible show starts in... Let's count down together! 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Boom! We're with Dr. Joyce Hazem. She's in the Cedar Forest of Lebanon. She's climbed seven peaks. She's one of the top mountaineers of the world. And she's just been explaining one of her incidents on uh, Mount Everest, which was a traumatic experience for her where she almost lost it. And she was explaining how she was able to use her mind, return back to her training, to the simulation of remembering how to be in the moment and breathe and get herself out of that danger because otherwise um, she might not have made it off the mountain. Dr. Joyce, just, just for our listeners out there, can you tell us what got you interested to climb the seven peaks of the world? I mean, did you go to a job fair and the, like, you know, there's a McDonald's and there's other companies looking for workers and there was like a, a mountaineer shop? How did you possibly get this idea? So I'm a very, you know, like normal girl who was born in Lebanon during the Lebanese civil wars. We are... Family, like a very modest family, five children. I'm number four. So where I was born, I didn't have really the permission to dream, but also the war stole my dreams. Like this is the cost of, um, you know, surviving a war as a child because it really, like it really trains you to survive and not have more than you should. You should work, go to school, and then, I mean, go to school, sorry, uh, get your, I mean, degree, start working, make money, have children. So, and, and in all this system, I didn't have the chance to meet the mountains. And one day a friend, I was, uh, I was around 20 years old and a friend of mine said, come join us for a hike. I mean, uh, I mean, I have a long story with sports and I, I really couldn't really run when I was eight or 10 and I trained myself. It's, we, we, we can go back to that part, but just to say how I met the mountain, I went into to that hike. I couldn't really hike even. I mean, it was a five kilometers hike, nothing. Um, and then, but I love the nature part. So I said, okay, I'm going to train for one year to climb up to the highest you know point in lebanon the highest summit which is 3080 meters and for me it was the dream it was my dream and i remember in 2007 i uh in may 2007 i you know raised the lebanese flag on the highest uh summit in lebanon and the sense of achievement i felt in my heart and you know within me was really bigger than anything else I felt in my life. I felt achieved. I started to have more confidence in this week. Uh, you know, I mean, I was also always sliding into depression when I was younger. So na when nature came into my life, it really helped me to, uh, I don't know, to feel better, to be happier. So I love the mountains. I fell in love, you know, 
in mountains. And this is why I started mountaineering. And I didn't have any dream of climbing the Seven Summit. I, I, after 2007, um, not until 2009, I went for my first uh, like high altitude climb in the Alps, Mont Blanc and other mountains of 4,000 meters in the Alps because I, I won the scholarship to move to Italy and do my master's degree and then my PhD. So this was also part of my life. I took the, ch the opportunity and went to the Alps in the long weekends and I was you know, living on a student budget, but I made it because, you know, when they talk about passion, what is passion? It's something that I didn't understand what's passion when I was younger. Everybody would talk, I read it, I listened to it in TV, I was like, what's passion? I don't have a passion. But then I figured it's something that makes you energized. Like when you do something, even if in the mountains I was feeling tired and, you know, burned and I cannot move and I come back and I'm like, you know, super, uh, I don't know, like, I, I, I'm like not, I'm tired, but I was feeling energized from inside. And this is why I chose mountains. Not until 2012, I thought about the seven summits because we don't have the first Lebanese woman in Lebanon. I mean, we don't have a woman mountaineer. And I said, wow, I have all this experience. Why not to start this project? And I, I found also that we need an idol. We need a champion, a, a woman, a female champion to look at in our society, not just because for the girls, also for the boys, because the boys also should look at women as a champion, as, you know, a strong woman, like women also are strong and they can be mountaineers because mountains and the mountain world are usually a man world usually. And it's not just Lebanon, it's all over the world. So I thought it's a great message to, you know, send to these kids and uh, to my, community and society. So this is why I started all this and I went through the seven summits. Wow. And I read also, because you've climbed these seven the peaks of the, the highest peaks of the world, even though Mount Everest, which we have a photo of you there on, on the top screen, was one of your greatest victories. I think that's what I heard you say. But today you're also, when, you're, when your feet are back down to earth, you're doing a lot of philanthropic work. You're raising awareness for women's empowerment. You're a role model for children and you go and speak to schools and to groups. Tell us yes. about that. It was all by like an opportunity, you know, like you start doing something. I didn't think about it really to be like a role model for these boys and girls, but then being in this position, I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to the youth in Lebanon and the region. So I started this uh, working as a, I mean, volunteering actually, as a child protection advocate with Himaya NGO. Himaya NGO, they protect children from any abuse, any kind of uh, abuse, physical, sexual, or even, you know, like uh, psychological abuse. And I loved to work with them, why? because I feel I relate to them because the war stole my dreams. And then I got them back with the help of the mountains, because as I always say, mountains are my mentors. They made me strong to face all these adversity in my own life and to create my own opportunities. And I thought I can maybe motivate these 
children specifically to protect their dreams and tell them that you can protect your dreams. You can make your dreams reality. And now, because after the Beirut explosion, there's many children in Beirut, they are traumatized. And I'm doing weekly these motivation workshops where I go meet the children with Himaya, for sure. Himaya team, they have like a, a field. They got a tent and a, a place where they invite the kids and the children of the area. Like they, they have four places in Beirut and they invite the kids to come and they help them. They support them psychologically to overcome the trauma. And I'm helping through that. So it's a wonderful thing because it's helping me also to move forward, to be honest. It was so hard for me the last two weeks because I also went through all the traumas and the PTSD. It's real. I went through all the traumas of my own childhood like 30 years ago. It's crazy. huh? It's real. And it, how it hits you again. So it's helping me. I have this part and then the woman empowerment, it follows with also different projects such as climbing Kilimanjaro with three teenage girls back in 2017 with a project called Yes, She Can and much more projects. That's amazing. And this Yes, She Can, I really like that. Is that, uh, do you have sponsors from any other organizations or corporates? How do you, how do they fund these programs? So this part was the hardest for me. Actually, I found sponsors from Lebanon for the past four or five years. I was always sponsored by banks or telecommunication companies for whom I'm super grateful because they believe in um, athlete women. Like a female athlete are not so many in the region, actually, not just in Lebanon. And we have a lot to say, and it's important to make records. It's not just the ego part that you are the first or nothing, but it's the part where you can have a voice and you can use it in order to motivate others uh, so they can also achieve their dreams. So now it's really hard to sponsor these projects because of the economic crisis that we are going through in Lebanon and the explosion. And all the focus now is on helping Beirut to overcome this uh, really hard times and the children of Beirut. So all the fund, funding are going to Himaya at the moment in order to help each other, you know, to overcome this trauma. You know, you, you mentioned this word financial crisis. What I've understood is that there are people there who've lost their life savings because they can't get their monies out of the banks. It's going to be yes. a complete, complete financial and, failure and bankruptcy of the country. Yes, and one of them, my parents, for, for instance. I come from, uh, you know, middle class, lower middle class, and we are workers and we worked hard in our life to make a good life. And now our money is locked in the banks. And it's really a hard time for everyone in Lebanon. I hope it will get better because it's a political thing. And uh, we were always going through and stability. I don't know what to say here because I don't want to talk about the political part. I'd rather talk about what I can do in 
the power I have as a citizen, as a champion, national champion, and as a person who has a lot of big dreams and she wants them to <laughs> become reality because I have more dreams than the Seven Summit. I'm sure. I don't know if we're going to get you to reveal any of those today. Yeah, I can. Possible show, but we would certainly be one of the like to be the first outlet to uh, handle your breaking news. <laughs> so my breaking news is is actually the seven summits were always my dream, but I always said I want to get the Explorers Grand Slam. And what is what is it about the Explorers Grand Slam? It is the seven summits plus crossing or traversing to the two poles. So you go from coast to pole, South Pole, and then coast to North Pole. And there's only three female who did this Explorers Grand Slam in the world. And one American, one Nor- Norwegian, and one British. So I am really training at the moment. I stopped the last two weeks because I couldn't, I wasn't able uh, neither mentally or psychologically but this is why during the COVID-19 I moved back to my place in the mountains where I always train and I'm training I'm moving tires you know behind me to start training for the poles and I'm looking also for sponsors for that big dream and I think a lot of people would say now now you are looking for sponsors to make such a sports uh, record it's not the, the time and I feel it is exactly the time to do this because we cannot stop in front of adversity and I mean we can have obstacles but it's up to us to decide what to do with this obstacle to turn it to an opportunity and move forward or to make us stop and you know like hit the wall I like to say one thing I always <laughs> say to my friends and I always hit the wall, right? Like, because a lot of my friends survived with me the seven years with, with the seven summits because it was really hard to fund, you know, like get the funds for them. It cost a lot, you know, these remote uh, expeditions. And I always say I hit the wall and I start like creating a small crack in the wall and then a small opening and then I create a small window where I can get through and this is how I always do it. <laughs> There's no walls in my life. It's always the obstacles are always there in our life to teach us, I don't know, a lesson or to show us something beautiful in life in order you know, to overcome this obstacle. Behind it, there's always a lot of good things we can learn and benefit in our life and this is my life story. Well, I would really like to hear a little bit more about the one question I'm going to ask you now, and that is temptation. How has temptation attempted to trick you? How has temptation said, Joyce, come on, can't you see that mountain's too high? Wouldn't you like to sit down? Your friends are all at the beach right now having a cocktail, right? <laughs> come on. <laughs> There had to be days like this, right? Or moments for sure. sure. Oh my God, sure. And I go through those moments while on the mountains and before. Because, you know, you climb your mountains even before going on the expedition. It's the training time. And the training time is, you know, sacred. This is your time where you are really climbing the mountain. And during my 
training before going to the mountain i have a lot of those days like joyce why you want you have to wake up at 5 30 have your coffee go for your training my am training and then go back work on my because i teach at university part-time that's what i do to make my living in order to dream and make my dreams come true so it's a hustle life like it's it's really hustle and sometimes I open my eyes and my mind would say, Joyce, why you would this, do this? You can just go do your work at university, come back and sleep and live like others. But then I just count like like the um, five second rule for Mel Robbins. I always also used it. And I just count five, four, three, two, one. I, you know, step out of the bed and just do whatever I had to do, whatever I planned to do and it's really essential to plan your whatever you want to do like if you have a a mountain to climb i prepare for this mountain for six or six months ahead with a planning like every day i have this training you know this week i have this amount of training i should do like 12 hours 10 hours and this should be also with the help of a professional people you have to have your support system you know you cannot do them if not, the temptation will just eat you and will just block you and you will not move uh, towards your dream. So it's about creating your support system and uh, people who believe in you, people who are expert in what they do and get their advice and then build your plan. And this is where you kill the temptation. On the mountain, because we already have a plan of the expedition, even for two months, we have a day-by-day -day plan. This is easier because... You know, like even if the temptation would get through your mind, the guide would come and is like, tomorrow we're doing this or now we have to move and you just have to move with the group and you just forget about your temptation. But for sure, I stayed in a tent at 6,000 meters or 7,000 meters during a storm and crying like, why I am here? I would rather, you know, have a hot meal, a hot meal like, you know, steak or <laughs> barbecue chicken because you, you start, you know, craving for food on these mountains. I'd rather, you know, have, you know, be at the beach to have, you know, a martini. Um, but then you look at the mountains or the mountain in front of you, you look at your goal and you say, no, I worked so hard to get there. One more day, Joyce, let's do it. Let's do it together. This is my mind telling myself. <laughs> so yes. yeah, this is how, I mean, temptation are real and they can get you. And sometimes maybe they got me, but I learned how to face them with planning, support system, and always work on your simulation. Simulation are very essential and they are they really um, are efficient when you are in extreme condition they work real because you already by simulation what do i mean like using the hypoxic mask during my training in the clinic in beirut while climbing on stairs and having 20 kilograms on my backpack this is simulation it's like i am at 4000 meters and climbing but I'm, I was in Beirut, so I moved myself from Beirut to this feel, and it feels real, you know, physically and mentally, that I'm in the mountain or sitting in a bath of ice. Also, this is an extreme condition that I am pushing myself towards it. And this is, it's not just a physical training, it's a pure mental training. Without it, you cannot face the temptation on the mountain or during 
at least me, I mean, I'm talking about my own experience. I cannot, I couldn't actually face them with joy because it's also beautiful to live your expedition with joy and be grateful and enjoy it and have a smile on your face like I'm smiling on top of the world. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Well, Joyce, so interesting to hear uh, your insights after all these amazing experiences. And because, again, digging into our show theme, Mission I'm Possible, what could you share with us that people don't know that was maybe one of your most fearful moments where you really never thought you're going to make it, where there was so much adversity, could have been danger, could have been anywhere, anything else, where you just didn't know how you would possibly get through it. Anything come to mind that you could share? Um, actually, maybe I, I shared that moment at 8,400 meters, you remember, uh, at, on the summit ridge where I was really about to die. I was like starting to feel numb. My body was feeling numb. And I remembered, you know, the voice of my instructor saying, Joyce, you can breathe. You know how to breathe. Just breathe. And I did. I would share, other than the physical part and the mountains, other than this moment, I would share another moment. And it was back in around spring 2018. And I already climbed five of the seven summits. And which which I is enough. I mean, you could have stopped right there and go, look, I did my best. It's not my rule. My rule, if I start a project, I have to finish it at any cost. This is me. This is how my mind, you know, like when you start training since you, you are like 10, 13, and you are training in a way like you need to finish this one kilometer you set your mind to, you have a discipline, a kind of discipline, right? And this is a thing that helped me a lot throughout everything that happened in my life to just go through through the adversity and get out of it just because of discipline. But what I am saying, like, I decided to do the seven summits. I really wanted to finish the seven summits. So I climbed five and we can mention them just so people can get a little bit familiar. Like Mount Al- I climbed Mount Albrus, which is the highest in Europe in 2012. And before that, I climbed Mont Blanc in 2009. And then I climbed Karsten's Pyramid or Punkak Jaya, which is in Papua New Guinea and the highest in Oceania as a continent. And then I climbed Kilimanjaro, which is the highest in Africa. And I went to Aconcagua after that in 2017. So Kilimanjaro was in 2014. And I stopped for three years because I prior to, like I had a priority in my life to do my PhD, which was also my dream. Huh? It was also my dream to do my PhD. And it was a dream that I got when I was at university studying architecture at the Lebanese public university and I met this professor coming from Italy and I was like he was writing PhD next to his title and I was like oh wow what is a PhD can you imagine like I really didn't know because I'm the first PhD in my own family and in our architecture faculty we didn't have PhDs we had professor like our you know like uh, uh, teachers uh, or lecturers were just uh, master degree holders. So I wasn't exposed to this. And then like something, you know, in, like in my head, I was like, oh my God, 
I want to have it. I want to do a PhD. So between 2014 and 2017, I was doing that. So after I finished my PhD, back to the climbing the seven summits, and I did Aconcagua, which is the highest in South America, Denali, one of the hardest, to be honest, the highest in North America, and it is in Alaska. And then I still had Vincent, which is the highest in Antarctica, and Everest. And Vincent and Everest, just to, so you can know, you can Google it, they are the most expensive out of the seven. I mean, they're really most expensive. So I managed to do the others because it was, the budget was smaller, and I couldn't find a sponsor. I searched and searched. Eight months has passed. Ten months has passed. And I was getting these offers to go to teach in Europe. And for Lebanese, going back to Europe and teaching, this is a really good thing. This, this is a good offer. But I was refusing because I was a believer. Like, I'm going to get these sponsors. I'm sure I'm going to raise, like, you know, I needed to raise around $260,000. It's not a small amount. And then I was about to give up. I was about to give up. And I remember... I got the offer and I was about to sign it in, in, in the Netherlands with the professor that I worked with when I was doing my PhD. And one day before I received this message from a guy called Henry. This guy is a kid of eight years old. And he said, Joyce, you are my hero. And I am doing this presentation for my classmates about you. Can you send me a few pictures? For sure, I was like crying and I was like, oh my God, an eight years old boy thinks that I am his hero. So what can I do more? I mean, look at Joy, look at this opportunity you have. I'm not going to Netherlands. So I <laughs> sent this email to the professor. I said, I'm not going there. And I continued for another four months where I got my uh, sponsorship for Vincent. I mean, just an eight years old boy changed my mind, <laughs> but he really made me remember my dream and how much it's important for me and how much it's important to continue. And I continued. So maybe I didn't tell you about a moment where I was losing my life, but it was kind of the same feeling because I remember when I was like, oh my God, I'm going to sign this contract and I'm leaving. If I leave Beirut, that means I'm leaving my dream. I cannot, you know, teach full time and do the training and search for sponsorship. It's not doable. It's not just physically possible. So for me, it was a moment where I was like feeling suffocating. And this is something I want to share with everyone here listening to us and hi, everyone. It's really our body can tell us a lot about what we should do or not. Because I remember when I was like, oh my God, and it's an opportunity. I will go work, right, in a university. But I was feeling suffocating. My gut was, you know, like when you feel like this, as your stomach is like really tight. And I didn't really understand like why. Joyce, it's an opportunity. You need to proceed in your life. You need to go forward. So this was a sign for me also to understand for next situations in, in my life. When I feel like this, when my body reacts, because our body knows a lot more, I would stop and rethink what I'm doing next. This was also a learning process for me. 
Yeah, we, we hear that from so many achievers that I think it's something about listening to your body, learning how to listen to your body, and listen, listen to the signs. So yeah. here you are, a walking, talking proof of that. That's uh, very, yeah. very insightful. Thanks for sharing that. I'm, I'm so happy to share this with you, and thank you for having me. It's a wonderful opportunity to share my story with a lot of people around the world. Well, we're grateful, and of course, for those of you who are only listening to the audio portion of this episode, Joyce Azam has been sitting in the cedar forest, the forest of God in Lebanon, a sacred, protected UNESCO heritage site. She just happened to go for a little walk this morning from her house, which is only three, another one and a half thousand meters from her front door. And she's <laughs> been up there taking in the air and helping us uh, breathe in some new insights as to what it takes to be such a, a courageous woman in a country that really did not historically honor women or the whole region as a culture. And so for you to be a pioneer in sports and have the audacity to go to a bank or a telecom and say, there's never been a woman do this before, but I'm going to be the first and you should believe in me. I don't know. I think I've met some salespeople in my life, but you had to be the best in the world <laughs> to do what you did and continue to do that. My hat is off to you, Joyce. Uh, you definitely have my appreciation, admiration, and I look forward to having you reveal what other secrets you have or, or new ventures ahead. I wish the best for Lebanon and for you, for your parents and for everyone. And thank you for being such a bright light. Thank you for being such an inspiration. Thank you for taking those steps that none of us had ever, ever dared to do. You dared to dream and you keep dreaming. God bless you, Joyce Azam. Thank you very, very much. It's a pleasure to be with you today, and you are welcome to come hike with me in Lebanon anytime uh, you want. And uh, yeah, I mean, I hope we will meet soon, and I will tell you about the, the pole traverse in the South Pole and the North Pole. I'm so looking forward to that. Wow. Can't wait to hear about it next time. Okay, Joyce, God bless. See you at the top, top of the world. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining The Real Mission. We welcome you to explore the next Real Mission on Possible with Coach MJ. Meet ordinary people who have achieved the extraordinary. Like, share, and comment to inspire others today.